You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Morallo. Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, missed it the last few weeks, but luckily we've had Alex and Dylan filling in, doing a fine job. And I think we're going to do that a little bit. We're going to switch it up from week to week. It'll, it'll predominantly be Alex and myself, but we've enjoyed having Dylan involved. So some weeks he'll call in to, to talk to us for 15 minutes or so, and some weeks he'll fill in if I'm not around or if Alex isn't around. That way we, uh, we reduce the frequency with which we end up with a, a solo show, which does happen from time to time. But uh, just want to say at the top here, um, apologize if there are any issues. Alex and I just had, I had a couple of issues. We weren't hearing each other, so I had to switch microphones about 20 seconds before we went live. Unfortunately, the microphone I was going to use has a mute feature, and this one doesn't. And I think I might have bronchitis because I've been coughing my brains out. So I thought, oh, at least I have the mic with the mute button, so I can just mute myself if I have to cough. So um, I will, <laughs> I will limit that as best I can this evening. Um, and and that's that. So enough about me and my cough. Alex, my co-host, buddy, how we doing? How's it going, Glenn? And um, you know, the Rubik's cube of blog talk continues. One day we're gonna solve this mystery, but. Um, Hey, don't worry about it. A little tea, a little honey, maybe a little lemon, and uh, we'll get you back uh, back in board. But you sound great. You're coming through clear. Um, and here we are together again after a few weeks of, uh, you know, not being able to get together and do a show. And, and I'm glad uh, that we're finally getting back to what we do and uh, talk about this nightmare of a football team that we call the New York Jets. Yeah, it's been, uh, like I said, a crazy few weeks with um, – work stuff coming up the last minute. And sometimes, you know, as we say off air, when we talk about this stuff, real life does take priority. And we have, when we've had other issues pop up, you know, one of us may not be here, but that's what happens. But, um, excuse me. So yeah, good to be back. Um, so the jets have a bye week had a bye week. So we got to enjoy a, a relaxing Sunday. Um, but some news came out following, you know, now, now that the team is, back at the facility and, and practicing coaches are meeting with the media. Um, a few news items to discuss. Uh, first off, of course, mm-hmm. Sam Darnold will not be playing this week. And from the sound of it, from a couple of the reporters uh, who were listening in on the conversation, they were making it sound as if Sam Darnold, Adam Gase, nobody really sounded very confident that he'd be back next week either. So this could be a thing that keeps him on the shelf for a month. Um, maybe longer, an injury that, that that the Jets put him back in the game with it. That's kind of been a thing this year. Guys get hurt, put them back in before they're ready, and let them get even more hurt. Uh, we've seen it the second time now with Darnold that happened with Becton. So uh, kind of reckless abandon um, with with some of their, you know, key young players. But, Alex, the, the question I have to start things off, because honestly, this is a somewhat somewhat of a nightmare scenario for the Jets. Um, Dylan and I had said a few weeks ago that we thought the Patriots gave the Jets their best chance at a win this season, which sounds crazy to to think that Mm -hmm. the worst team in team history, and you look at the schedule and think their best chance at a win is when they play Bill Belichick and they damn near pulled it out. Uh, so they, they come away with a loss. However, Alex, I will say, and looking at the Jets remaining games, I'm not so sure that the the, the 0-16 thing is as much of a lock as I thought it was, say, you know, even three weeks ago. Um, And the key reason being, it's easy easy to say we're not going to win a game this year or they're not going to win a game this year when you literally, when you literally cannot get in the end zone. Like, you know, I know, you know, we all say any given Sunday, any given Sunday, no. There is no any given Sunday when you are statistically, from a point differential standpoint, the worst team in NFL history or on pace to be so. 
Uh, however, uh, now that guys are back healthy, um, Dow Logan's is reportedly calling the plays, whether it's Logan's or Gates or if they're both doing it. Um, they're being a little bit more aggressive than they were earlier in the year. And all of a sudden, I feel like any given Sunday comes into play if you can score points. There is no any given Sunday if you're scoring six points every week. But if, if, if a healthy Brashad Perryman and a healthy Denzel Mims and a healthy Jamison Crowder and a, a, you know, a downfield passing attack is, uh, is the new way forward, this team might win a game or two. They have, you know, the San Diego Chargers coming up. I think the Chargers have blown like six or seven straight fourth quarter leads <laughs> where it's, it's really pretty unbelievable. I mean, I think they've lost like five in a row on the opposing team's final drive. Um, you know, there's that party. If you want the tank, you hope that the Chargers are thinking, this is the one damn team we're going to hold the lead against and let's, let's beat up on the Jets and, t- and hold the lead. And maybe they do. But I don't know. I just I watched Flacco throw the ball down the field, um, and I thought to myself, the Jets are now – they are still the worst team in the NFL. Don't get me wrong. But they, they have now entered any given Sunday territory. Where maybe they put up 17 points on offense, which seemed unimaginable a few weeks ago. Maybe they score 17, and maybe, uh, maybe a tipped pass gets picked off and run back for a pick six. And maybe, all, maybe you sneak out a 24-21 win. Which, um, I don't know, I, I, I would have thought impossible a few weeks ago, but um, play calling is a little more aggressive now. And w- w- what do you think, Alex? Is, is a win, is there a win in the cards for the team? Maybe two, maybe two. May, I mean, listen, they just lost to the Pats on a last-second field goal. They have the Pats again. What if you sneak out a win against the, the Chargers, who keep blowing fourth-quarter leads? And then what if you get a lead on the Patriots, who have uh, one of the worst secondaries in the NFL, what if you put up a bunch of points against them again and they don't get that last second field goal? What if you sneak out two or three wins by accident? Yeah, I'm looking at the schedule right now. Um, we have New England as the last game of the year. And wouldn't that be like Bill Belichick to put in like his third or fourth string guy? Uh, because I don't think Cam Newton's the quarterback of their future. And if they lose that game, they get a better draft position. And they're kind of going to be heading into a rebuild uh, situation. It almost looks like, which is kind of amazing to say about the Patriots Uh, Cleveland. You never know which one is going to show up. Is it going to be the high powered offense with all those weapons they have on their field? Or are they going to be the Cleveland Browns of old um, that kind of implodes upon themselves and puts themselves in bad situations? We've seen good Baker Mayfield. We've seen bad Baker Mayfield. So that week 16 and week 17 game, you know, might not be set in stone as losses, like you said. And, you know, looking back at last year, uh, you know, we were not supposed to beat the Oakland Raiders. Um, and then we, they came into our house. It was a crazy snow game. I remember being there freezing my, my butt off. And the Jets romped Did it that snow game. that game? No. Oh, it was brutal that game. It was sleeting and raining and snowing all together at the same time. Um, the only thing that hmm. you could probably see that was visible – um, were my eyeballs. I was covered from head to toe with layers upon layers. But, you know, a victory kind of helps you get through those, those kind of, uh, you know, grueling weather situations. So I'm with you at this point. And, you know, being um, a fantasy, you know, manager and stuff like that, I have Justin Herbert on as one of my quarterbacks. And I'm watching him every week and nobody loses um, in, in a – manner or style in the fourth quarter than the Los Angeles Chargers. I used to think that was the Giants thing, um, you know, being an East Coast guy and watching a lot of Giants football. They always seem to uh, put themselves in position in the second half or in the third quarter to where they're looking pretty good and then find a way to lose it in the fourth. Um, but it really seems like the Chargers are the team that just can't finish out the games. Um, I mean, they have weapons on their team. Um, you know, this young quarterback can really, really sling it. Uh, but you know, just as I said, um, this team just is known for falling apart um, in critical moments and giving back games to other teams. So who knows if this ends up being the Jets' first win and, and then the tankathon is in jeopardy, as you said. Um, that would be pretty alarming and shocking, and I know it would be very upsetting um, for majority of the uh, 
fan base here that that's looking to uh, lock up that number one pick. But uh, yeah, you don't rule out the Jets to do something Jets-like and you know screw up this uh, this scenario here because it really seems that a lot of people um, are ready to move on from Darnold. They want that Trevor Lawrence pick, or they at least want to be in the scenario where we are communicating with other teams to try to get more draft compensation for that number one pick. Cause you know, quarterbacks um, uh, as we know are pretty much the most important position on the football team. And when you're in a position to get a player like a Trevor Lawrence, you know, apparently that is compared to like the next Ar- um, Andrew Luck and the generational kind of talent um, teams will do what they have to, to try to lock a player up like that. So very interesting to see how these games are going to play out. Um, I still think that it's a strong possibility the Jets go for 16, but it wouldn't surprise me if they ended up squeaking out one or two. I, I think I think one, and they're safe. If you look at the way Jacksonville is playing right now, I think Jacksonville is going to get a win or two along the way. If they have a brutal schedule, but they gave the Packers a tough time the other day. So even if they win one more, I, was, I mean, geez, I really wish Jacksonville would have pulled that game off. And that's, that's the difference right now between – Jacksonville having one or two wins is absolutely huge. Um, it would give the Jets that little bit of breathing room. And let's be honest, you know, uh, as much as you want that number one pick, there's there's that part of me that's like, and I said this a couple of years ago when everyone wanted to tank for Sam. I was like, you can tank, but I really don't want to sit through a winless season. I want to have one Sunday where I can come away with a smile on my face and think, oh, wow, everybody played well today. You know, so right. um, I, I think one more win from Jacksonville would be fantastic. And then I would love nothing more uh, than for the Jets, not that this will happen, but I would love a surprise victory uh, against Jamal Adams and the Seattle Seahawks. Um, Jamal in the news a little bit today. We'll, we'll touch on this briefly because I really don't want to talk about the guy, but um, I just, and I probably wouldn't talk about this if not for the fact that uh it's a, a very rapid changing of the narrative on the part of Jamal Adams. And I think this is, I think it's a little bit, um, I don't know. I don't know the word for it. Not disingenuous, but basically you have a guy in Jamal Adams who did an interview two months ago, um, two, not two years ago, two months ago. It may have even been just under two months, but we'll say two months. We'll call it that. He did an interview with sports illustrated where he said, I really wanted to stay with the jets. I wanted, to, I wanted to stay there. You can say I shot my way out of town, but I wanted to stay a Jet. And now, fast forward two months, Jamal Adams, all of a sudden, instead of being this all-pro player, is a, is a punching bag on defense, uh, getting smoked left and right in coverage. Uh, we saw, uh, I'm sure you saw it, Alex, there was that clip of him sort of backing away from a running back the other day, and then sort of faking an attempt at a tackle as the guy ran into the end zone. So Jamal is really under the microscope for that. And this interview may have been before that. I'm not sure. But Jamal Adams now saying, I knew I had to get out of New York because I was depressed. I knew I had to get out of there. So two months ago, he says, I was trying to stay in New York. I wanted to be a Jet. Now he's playing terrible. And all of a sudden, I was so depressed in New York, I knew that I had to get out. Um, He's changing the narrative. He sees that his, he's being exploited on defense. He's being exposed. It's embarrassing. And in, rather than take the, take the heat, he wants to, he wants to play the, uh, the, 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 uh, the mental health card. I'm, I'm a sufferer of depression because sometimes I logged off my, my Twitter account when we would lose a game. Um, I'm not buying it. You don't, get to, you don't get to go. I mean, those are two dramatic extremes. From, from I, I really wanted to stay to I knew I had to go over the course of two months. So he's trying to get the sympathy, not getting any from me. Uh, what do you think, Alex? Do you think this is a legitimate thing? Or, uh, or do you think that Jamal Adams is trying to get people to stop watching him play football because he's embarrassing, embarrassing himself out there? Yeah, you know, this is just something that I never really anticipated that would come from a player like him. I had a completely different perception of him and, and over this past, you know, year of just seeing how things unraveled and, and, you know, kind of playing both sides of the coin here, 
I wanted to go. I wanted to stay. I tried to make it work. Guys weren't respecting me. Um, you know, you don't get captain on a football team if you don't have the respect of players. Um, you know, there was an energy level that he brought on Sundays and things like that. So it's really, really interesting to see the guy who was on the field is so different from the guy that off the field. Um, and, you know, for people, um, you know, that, that struggle with mental health, um, that have to deal with things like that um, for real life, you know, dramatic situations, um, you know, I don't know how people are supposed to take that um, because, you know, you're a professional athlete, you're getting paid millions of dollars. Of course you want to win and things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, there's some people that really, really struggle um, with that aspect of life. And, um, you know, it's just not something like that you can just say, oh, I'll just change my scenery and everything will get better. Um, it's just not that simple. Um, so that's that's a little odd. Um, it's hard to take him uh, at his word on, on what's real and what's not uh, because we've we've heard, you know, two different tales um, from his his group. You know, apparently his dad was very upset. Um, I saw that little interview. His dad had to get involved and was going behind Jamal or going around Jamal to his agent, telling him to get him out of there. Um, very interesting because, you know, we were told that Joe Douglas said, you know, we want to make you a jet for life. They weren't making calls and shopping him. They were receiving inbound calls. So it's really, really interesting that the Jets were the ones that were being um, – you know, uh, called upon or, you know, people were making inquiries, you know, Jets were not making, um, reaching out yep. to other teams about him, yet his father, you know, was trying to orchestrate a maneuver with his agent, um, you know, so it's like, who do you believe at this point? Um, you know, I have a hard time believing anything that he <laughs> Not <says>. Jamal. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, you've, you've played devil's advocate and, you know, you've said things and then you say other things and then you do different things. He's a hard individual to believe at this point. Um, and, you know, you put stuff on the Internet and social media and then you delete it and you act like nobody saw it or like it can't be screenshotted or saved or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. Very, very silly. We've seen this pattern of immaturity on social media with players from the Jets. And we know now that the Jets have um, zero tolerance for that. Um, Darren Lee played that game on social media. He, he was gone. Um, we saw Jamal do this, and he was gone after he took shots at Woody Johnson um, after some allegations came out about a situation he had in the U.K. Then we saw Lev Bell make some likes on some comments from the guys on the beat. He gets dealt, you know, three days later. So the Jets now have this zero tolerance um, for drama and, you know, outside noise that becomes a distraction to, to the team and, and puts bad or poor optics on the team. So that seems to be the scenario um, in which the front office is handling these scenarios. So I don't trust what Jamal says. You know, I want to wish him luck. Hopefully, um, you know, for him, he, he figures out how to get, you know, a become a happier individual with his, with his uh, professional life and things like that. Um, and Seattle, but, you know, we're I mean, ready listen, to move on. I think he needs Seattle, to move on too at this point. Yeah, and 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 we should move on from this because I already went on longer than I said I would. But Seattle is one of the worst cities in America to live in terms of depression. Uh, has a lot to do with the weather, um, and it's, it's about one of the worst places you can go. If you're like, oh man, I'm depressed, I'm going to move to Seattle. I'm going to go somewhere where it's always cloudy and rainy, so I can cheer up. I need less vitamin D. <laughs> um, I'm not buying it. We have a caller on the line. Caller, uh, you're on the air, 973 area code. What's your name? What do you got for us? Hey, it's Louie from Jersey. They need to judge the movie out because they're depressing enough. So, you know, misery loves company, you know? <laughs> yeah, they they can be. Yeah, I mean, just awful. And, you know, I was reading about the um, headline, uh, can Sam Arnold ruin the, uh, the tank purpose, you know, to, to try to get – uh, Trevor Lawrence. I don't think Trevor wants to come here. I mean, I heard the reports and the rumors that um, you know some how some players don't want to go to certain teams, and they're saying that uh, Trevor, if he gets drafted, he doesn't want to play there. Yeah, yeah I'm not well, look, 
I, I, yeah, I, I think that's that's media speculation. There are people out there, and a lot uh-huh. of people really. Steve, Steve Young, Deion Sanders, uh, and to name a to name a couple, who have said that Trevor Lawrence shouldn't come out. Uh, uh, Mike Greenberg from ESPN said he shouldn't come to the Jets. Listen, at the end of the Greenberg day, too, it's going to huh? come down to. I'm sorry. Greenberg too. Wow. Yeah, Mike Greenberg. I think Mike Greenberg was the first sort of high-profile guy who said it, um, or known mm-hmm. guy who said it. But I think it's going to come down to uh, the Jets getting on the phone with Trevor Lawrence and his agent, uh, you know, after the season and saying, look, kid, here's our plan. Here's the money we have. We're going to have Makai Becton protecting your backside. We're, you know, we're, these are, the, these are the, re- the offensive people we're looking at bringing in as a head coach. Uh, we're going we're gonna to shoot Adam Gase to the moon. And, you know, you're going to be playing in the biggest Better. media market in the country. And, uh, you know, there, there's plenty of opportunity there, especially, especially – if, uh, if guys like Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder play well down the stretch, then you know you've got two reliable targets. Hey, Perriman keeps playing the way he is, and they'll re-sign him. You know? um, so I think yeah. th- there's going to be some targets. The offensive line has been better of late um, in terms of pass protection. Uh, with, with New England, though, I'm not sure if that was more a matter of New England not blitzing as much as other teams have, but that's another discussion. But long and short of it, right. I'm not buying it. Alex, what do you think of these? Uh, the Trevor Lawrence is going to stay in school uh, rumors? Um, I don't know um, if anybody realizes, but these, these number one picks are getting around like $40 million guaranteed. Um, that's yeah. a lot of money. Um, it's most money that none of us could ever imagine, probably fill up my entire house, um, you know, as far as currency. So I don't see how you walk away from an opportunity like that. Living in a world, um, you know, I guess fortunate for, for Trevor, how's his fortunate, but, you know, he's already battled with the COVID situation, so he's able to move forward with that. You know, he, he's he got one thing that he doesn't have to worry about, you know, in the event that he wants to stay for another year. But how many times have we seen players in college um, in, in primetime games, um, you know, Willis McGahee pops to my head immediately, um, that nasty yeah. injury that he took. Um, you know, things worked out for Willis, but his timeline and the, the you know, his draft, uh, you know, uh, projection was altered when he got injured. And, you know, if you're Trevor Lawrence and you have the opportunity to be a $40 million man come next April 2021, which I believe is, good God, what, six months from now? Um, I don't know if I would want to wait 18 months for that $40 million. I think I'd kind of like to get that as soon as possible. And regardless... Um, the way that this NFL draft is structured is the worst team gets the number one pick. And they're normally, you know, generational pass rushers or quarterbacks is how it's, how it's been done. Mm -hmm. So that's the way it goes uh, with the way that this game is created. So my, my understanding is, you know, this is a smart kid that has done everything that he could do in college. And one thing is, is that he's not perfect and he's not impervious from anything. He clearly just got sick and dealt with something very, very drastic. Does he want to put himself in a situation to where, you know, one of the Clemson players are great. They're all, you know, all Americans and things like that. But, you know, every now and again, pass protection breaks down. You don't want to be that, that prospect that got injured to avoid going to the NFL because you didn't like the team you might go to. And then your whole career is derailed. I don't know if there's enough, um, you know, risk and reward factor um, to do something like that. Yeah. So my guess is Trevor Lawrence will be the number one pick in the 2021 draft. Mm. All right. You got anything else for us? Uh, well, it's, that's just about it. But uh, you, do you think they'll at least win one game this season, or do you think it's just going to be only 16? That's, that's even worse than the 92 squad. Yeah, well, we, we talked about that a few minutes ago. I think that, um, you know, they played the Chargers this week. The, the Chargers have dropped uh, five five games in a row, I believe, in the fourth quarter. And uh, the Jets' mm-hmm. offense looks looks like it's uh, they're going to be able to score some points now. I mean, they may not, but look, they just put up 27. Joe Flacco looked really yeah. good. Rashad Perryman was healthy. He looked great. Denzel Mims has looked outstanding. So, you know, they're now in a position where it's not unrealistic to say the Jets might go into this game and score 21, 24, 27 points. And, you know, any given Sunday, that could do it for you. You know, whether, you, whether we like it or not, yes. if the defense holds up and makes a couple of plays, maybe, uh, maybe you steal a win. But I, I really think, I think one win 
I think they still get the top pick. If they get two wins, that's that's when you get in a little bit of trouble because you got four teams right now right. sitting at two wins, and uh, and those teams are really bad. So any one of them could, you know, could could leapfrog the Jets in draft order. Who does the Patriots would be this bad though this year? Yeah, but you know now they just went out and beat Baltimore, so maybe they're getting their act together. But now Baltimore is under a, a lot of fire for the way they're running their offense. So look, the league every year we get crazy stuff. Um, the, this team a couple of weeks ago looked like a team that wouldn't even be competitive in a game, and uh, and then they come within a couple seconds of beating the Pats. So if you can do that, I think I think if you come out and play your A game, you might beat a team like the Chargers. Uh, and I, again, I think one win and you're safe. But anything beyond that, I think you're in trouble. But uh, thanks a lot for calling in and. Uh, you know, call back anytime. Appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Louis. Have a good night. All right. All right. So that was Louis from Jersey. So, you know, we uh, we covered the, uh, you know, as we just said, the Jets, the Jets could steal a win, you know, somewhere along the way. Um, Joe Flacco, you, you can't you, – I'd be shocked if Darnold isn't back in within a few weeks. Um, so Flacco's got a couple chances to get them a win. Joe Flacco doesn't want to tank. Joe Flacco's trying to win a job next year. You know, he's out there competing. Joe Flacco wants a, a blowout win so he can say, you know, look, I still got it. You know, I'm still pretty good. And I'll tell you what, some of those throws he made the other day were freaking incredible um, against the Patriots. So, you know, good for him. But, uh, but it's a little bit scary. You know, it's a little bit scary to think this team could play themselves out. And listen, what, what do you do in that spot? I mean, it's, it's, it's way too early to say but, or to think about, but you can't help but think, what do you do if you win two games and you end up with the fourth pick or the third pick? Do you take the best quarterback on the board or do you take Penny Sewell and, and pair him with Beckton at the tackle spots, which I would love, and then come back again with Sam Darnold and get yourself a head coach who you believe can, uh, can fix Sam Darnold the way uh, the Tennessee Titans fix Ryan Tannehill. Um, or, you know, improved his game anyway. Uh, the Jets may be in a spot. And that, that's the thing with Sam Darnold. And I said this the other day, Alex. And I think – and, and I, I can see where people thought I was saying something that I wasn't. Um, if you're Sam Darnold and things have gone as poorly as they have with this team, do you even – and I asked, I said, do you even want to win a game? Like, Sam Darnold might be like, Jesus, if we win three games, I'll be back here next year. Like, I would rather win one and let them draft Trevor Lawrence to trade me. And by that, I didn't mean, will Sam go out there and not try? I don't think Sam's got that in him. But would Sam be all that upset if he throws what looks like a 30-yard a touchdown and the receiver drops it? Is he be like, all right, sweet. Like, that that's, looks fine on film. I made a good read, a good throw. What? Guy dropped it. Too bad. Okay. I don't know if Glenn's uh, might cut out there. But... Um... Yeah, you know, looking at this scenario. All right, so it looks like we've dropped Alex. Um, he said he thought my mic cut out, and then he was gone. So let's see. He's uh, he's calling back in here. Let's see if he can hear me. Alex, you hearing me? Yeah. Yeah, that was Okay, great. I, I was still showing on the line. I thought you dropped, so I started to talk as if, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty I, funny. I heard you uh, say that I dropped, and then you're and then you dropped. So anyway. Here we are. Um, so what, exactly, exactly. Uh, so what do you think, Alex? <clears throat> Excuse me. Do, do you think that uh, Sam Darnold is kind of like, I really wouldn't mind if we just lose out and, and I get the hell out of here. You know, I'll put my best foot forward. I'll play hard. But if we happen to lose yeah. these games, great. Let me go somewhere else. You know, you, know, you see, you, I look at a place like New Orleans where Drew Brees just got his ribs broken and he's 100 years old. And I look at a team like San Francisco – that is probably going to have to cut ties with Jimmy Garoppolo because he's honestly not that good, and he's making about a trillion dollars. Um, and, you know, do you bring Sam Darnold back to Southern California if you're the 49ers? There, there are a couple of teams out there. I remember early in the year, Juju Smith-Schuster, I believe it was him. I know, I know Juju, Juju said Sam could still be a player, but somebody said that Sam Darnold reminded them of Ben Roethlisberger. Well, Ben Roethlisberger's not, not a, a young buck either. So there are a few spots where Sam Darnold might be a good fit and, uh, and those teams don't have the disastrous track record that the Jets have. Do you think Darnold would rather move on than, than win a few games and hang around? Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, 
you know, what my concern is right now with Sam is, is the Jets, as we know, um, are not always truthful or uh, they don't make logical decisions in a safe manner for their players when it comes to injuries. Um, Sam Darnold could have a serious situation going on with their shoulder, um, and we've seen the hits. I mean, we've seen him looking, you know, in discomfort and then getting thrown back out there. And, you know, Sam's the type of kid that, you know, his arm would be hanging on the last thread. But he'd be like, come on, coach, I still got it. You know, he just seems to be that kind of a guy. I'm concerned that right now they're prolonging the situation, seeing if the shoulder heals better over time, and then he can avoid, you know, a minor or, you know, some sort of correctional surgery. And if that happens, okay, that's his throwing arm. That's alarming. Number two, what's the timeline going to be of his rehab? And, you know, is this going to be very similar to the Chad Pennington scenario to where we love Chad, but then once he got his shoulder injured, we weren't sure if we could commit to him in the long term, and then we parted ways with him because of that. Um, These are just all things that, you know, I've been thinking about with Sam's scenario ever since I heard that he's not going to be able to participate in this game. And like you had said earlier, um, even his week uh, 12 game might be in jeopardy as well. So, you know, for Sam looking at this scenario here, um, if he wants to have a long-term career, and, you know, it's kind of funny because when Sam was drafted, oh, we got a quarterback for the next 10 years. And then after the second year, we got a quarterback for the next 15 years. Well, it's really, really interesting how in year three we're already talking about Trevor Lawrence. Um, not sure why we put these projections and, and, you know, put players on these pedestals of unreasonable and unfathomable, um, you know, expectations. So, you know, we, we don't know what the scenario is with his shoulder. Um, it could be much worse than, than anybody here knows. And um, as far as, you know, keeping him on the sideline, kind of like what the Jets did with Mo Wilkerson when they were ready to part ways with him. You know, if we get him back out there and he gets hurt, he's no longer a commodity to be traded to get draft compensation. So do you keep Sam off the field to keep him healthy and kind of keep the other team's eyes not focused on his injury situation? And then when they go to possibly deal him, or make a move with him or whatever their case may be, if they are looking to to switch up the quarterback uh, position, uh, I don't know if it would be worth the risk to put him back out there um, at this point in time. Now, here's the other thing. If Sam Darnold is your quarterback of the future and you're intending on picking up his fifth-year option and you want to get him that contract to make him the quarterback of the next 10 years, then you really have to be cautious with this shoulder injury. And you can't put him back out there if he's 75 or 80%. Sam should be 100% healthy when he goes back out on the field. So this is a really, really tough scenario uh, for Joe Douglas and, and, and this front office to try to, you know, they have this young, you know, quarterback that has, is extremely talented as far as, you know, um, what his arm can do. And now we don't know after this scenario, Sam's going to be um, – able to push the ball 40 yards down the field accurately. We don't know if Sam's going to be able to deliver accurate throws, uncanny, you know, magical sloppiness as we've seen over the past couple years. Um, you know, the, the future is unknown with Sam Darnold at this point. And if his shoulder is not in a good scenario and the Jets think that he is going to have a correctional um, uh, surgery on that, you know, what's the point of holding on to a kid where you don't know if that arm is ever going to pan out again? You know, you're going to be looking into getting a veteran backup quarterback for next year. You're going to wait for him to do his rehab and become healthy. Um, You're going to theoretically pass on Trevor Lawrence. And then you're going to be back into the same scenario that we've been for the last 30-something years looking for a franchise quarterback to win us a Super Bowl. So this is – just a really, really just ugly situation for the Jets to be in in year three with, with Mr. Darnold here. And, um, you know, right now, November 17th of 2020, 
who knows what the future holds with this team and this young kid. It's uh, quite alarming, to be honest with you, Glenn. Yeah, and, you know, the the thing is, Alex, I think – I mean, not I think, I know we are now at a point where <clears throat> I felt that it was unfair to say Sam Darnold was injury-prone for people who were counting the, the – uh, what is it, the, the, the mono last year. Like, that's not an injury. He kissed somebody who had mono. Like, that's, get at, that's, that's idiotic to say that's, that's injury-prone. Um, but now this is multiple injuries this year that it's causing to miss time. So even if he was playing, even if Sam Darnold was playing well this year, not great, but well enough where we could say, oh, look, he's getting better. He's trending toward being that guy. Even if he's doing that, which he is not, you would still have to say, is he a 12 years a game, or a 12, 12 game a year starter? Or do we have to try to draft a guy who can, who can stay healthy? So the injuries really haven't helped him at all. And I think the Jets, even if he was, unless he was playing absolutely lights out, I think given the number of injuries he's had, you have to look at another quarterback, which is a shame. You know, I, you know, me personally, I think that, uh, I mean, we, all Jets fans wanted him to succeed, um, but that just hasn't happened. I still am a big believer in the fact that, uh, I mean, people, people, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, people say, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's year three now. We're still making this excuse about the blocking. And I'm like, that's because it's still an issue. Like, I don't care if it's year one or year five or year nine. If your quarterback is getting pressured, you know, consistently being pressured more than just about every other quarterback in the NFL, you know, depends on which site you look at. But basically, Darnold is consistently in the, the bottom three in terms of the amount of time he has to throw. Um, that's an issue. But at the same time, you can't hang on to a guy who, you know, if you exercise that 50-year option, that's big money. That's a lot of money for a guy who hasn't done enough to deserve it. So the Jets yeah. have to look at it that way, too. Um, Trevor, Listen, if Trevor Lawrence is gone, do you grab Justin Fields? I mean, Justin Fields is, you know, he's completing like 80% of his passes right now. Someone, someone sent me a number the other day, or I saw a tweet, or so, I forget who. Um, I think it was, uh, who was that? It might have been the Play Like a Jet guys. Uh, one of them tweeted out, uh, Justin Fields has more touchdowns than incomplete passes this year. Like, that's insane. That's insane. To do that in one game is ridiculous. I think when Fields had done it, they were in, what, they were going into week four, I believe. So over the course of three games, he had 11 touchdown passes and 11 incompletions with three rushing touchdowns. So he accounted for 14 touchdowns and 11 incomplete passes. That's nuts. Now Zach Wilson enters the conversation. What's going on with him? He's a guy that no one was talking about a few weeks ago. And now I see all these pundits, all these evaluators, whether it's uh, Daniel Jeremiah, Connor Rogers, um, uh, who's, who's the, uh, Gil Brandt on Twitter. They're all saying this guy now belongs in the conversation as the top five pick. Uh, uh, Trey Lance is a guy people wanted to watch. North Dakota State didn't have a season this year. They played one game. So Trey Lance is a guy that people were saying is a top ten pick. So if you don't get Trevor Lawrence and you've decided to move on from Sam Darnold, and let's, let's say they win a couple games. Let's say they piss us all off, they win a couple games, and they're sitting there at, with the third pick. Do you take Zach Wilson? Or do you say, we don't, we don't view him that highly. We got to go with, uh, with the best player on the board. Let's go with Sewell and pair them, you know, pair him with Beckton. So we'll see. But the big part of, the, you know, one thing that I wanted to talk about and, 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 you know, mentioning the draft reminds me, Alex, I tweeted this the other day. Um, the Seattle Seahawks have now lost as many games as I expected them to lose all year. There's, they've got three losses now. Um, after the first two, three weeks of the season, you thought, well, this team's going to the Super Bowl. This is a Super Bowl contender. They're also on pace now to allow more passing yards than any team in the history of the NFL. Thank God they gave up the two first rounder for Jamal Adams. Um, I don't see a team with a, with a secondary that's that porous being able to win a Super Bowl in today's NFL. You can give up some yards. You can't give up more yards than any team in history. So now a pick that, at least for me, Alex, I thought was a lock to be no higher than 29th could now be 20, 21, maybe 23. Like that, that makes a big difference. When you're talking oh, about yeah. 
the fir- when you're talking about the first round, any round, 32 picks, moving up six spots, that's, that's no joke. You know, I had said a couple weeks ago, and I, I think we both discussed him, you know, I'd said that <clears throat> with, that, with that Seattle first rounder, I, I want Trey Smith out of Tennessee, the guard. Because I, I thought in that spot, he's probably one of the best guys on the board, and he fills a huge need. But now I'm looking at it and thinking, if you're at 21 or 22, there might be an edge guy available. There might be a wide receiver there that can help the young quarterback. So if, if you're the Jets and you're sitting there, if, if you end up, let's say you end up 21, 22, 23, are you taking the best player, Alex, or are you going to try to trade down and, and pick up an extra second rounder or something along those lines? Well, if the Jets are not locked into that number one spot, and like you said, they moved down a couple, um, just a couple spots, um, and they're still within that top five, and, and like you said, they have a pick in the 20s, mid-20s, um, something that's actually really decent. Uh, I look at the foundation of this team, and here's what I know. The Jets do not have an elite pass rusher. The Jets do not have an elite cornerback a lockdown guy, and uh, there are some, some holes as far as um, playmakers, um, guys that can just, uh, you know, flip the field over and, you know, take the ball to the house and do, do amazing things with a catch and run or whatever. Um, we don't really have a lot of explosive players on the offense right now. So if you're in a scenario where you're going to forge forward with Sam Darnold and the shoulder's not as bad as I seem to think it is, and, um, you know, he's going to continue to be the quarterback of our future, um, we need to start templating what other teams are doing in the league. This is a copycat league, as we all know, and you can't just continue to get by with finding lightning in a bottle UDF8 and taking mid-round picks and pushing them into starting roles and hoping and praying that these guys do things that other mid-round picks have done. Like, you know, people always talk about, uh, was it Deion Jones, um, the linebacker that the Jets missed on when they could have, when they took Darren Lee and, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we can't just continue to grab, take these players and say, oh, well, you know, Jets player A was going to be like Falcons player B, and, you know, that's the way it's going to, to all work out. I've never seen a scenario where people try to connect dots with scenarios that happen, you know, with other players in certain rounds and things like that. What I know is that this defense at this point struggles uh, to get after the quarterback, and enough is enough. I, I really would like to see the Jets come away with some sort of threat coming off the edge next year. If you want to improve at least one side of the football, that is not something that they should consider. It's something they have to do. Um, position, as far as Bryce Hall, um, I, I, I want to see Bless Austin um, become that guy. I have a little bit of doubts in my mind about his coverage ability, man coverage, and what's going on upstairs when he's diagnosing plays during pass plays. I said this a couple weeks ago. I love what he does against the run. I like how he keeps outside containment, and he's not afraid to stick his nose, you know, right in somebody's chest and take him down. Um, We've seen him do that plenty of times where he diagnoses a run and just leaves his responsibilities and goes play, plays football and gets the uh, ball carrier down. Um, so we know that he's capable of doing that, but we have seen the back of his jersey several times this year. Um, if you're going to be a successful cornerback in this league, it is all about the um, reducing your mistakes on the field and playing heads-up football, and that's what smart lockdown corners do, and right now the Jets do not have that. So if Sam Darnold's going to be a part of this team, um, I'd like to see the Jets come away with somebody on the defense that's going to give us a dominant presence, whether it's from the pass rushing ability or the, you know, uh, pass coverage ability. Um, and like you said, I'm a big fan of making bookends, getting a player like Soul and Beckton on each side. You have McGovern in the middle, and you have multiple um, mid-round picks 
where you can find interior linemen for the future. And we've already got some young guys in Cam Clark that we're hoping um, cracks this lineup at some point on the interior. So the Jets just might be one or two players away from getting all the wrongs corrected on the offensive line. And then it's a matter of getting Sam the weapons that he needs to be a productive quarterback because it's not about who you got. You have to have depth as well, as we know. So explosive players on offense and foundational pieces on defense, I think is what's going to help this team win more games. I absolutely agree, Alex. Uh, This team does need to add, you know, impact players at key spots. Uh, And speaking of, uh, you touched on depth. Wanted to mention briefly the Jets claiming um, offensive lineman Pat Elfline from the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I had a huge brain fart the other day. I I did the article on it, on the Jets picking him up, and I put him down as a first-round pick. I I think he's a guy who had a ton of first-round talk um, in the pre-draft process and ended up falling to the third round, which I'd completely forgotten. Um, but I, because I, I, he was a guy that I wanted the Jets to take, um, so I did pay a little bit of attention to him his first year or two in the league, and he was terrible. I mean, he, he was giving up six, seven sacks a year, which for a center is unheard of. Like a bad center will give up three, four sacks in a year. Um, Elfline gave up six, seven, eight, something like that. Uh, the Vikings drafted his replacement after just two seasons and moved him to guard where he continued to get beaten like a drum. I looked at his numbers on Pro Football Focus the other day. According to Pro Football Focus, in 44 career games, he has surrendered 17 sacks and over 100 quarterback hits. So I didn't want the guy, uh, but the Jets got the guy. So listen, maybe the couple different coaches he's worked with uh, didn't coach him. I would find that hard to believe. I think he's just been a very bad player. Uh, listen, it's always the case. You, you say it with, every time you – I don't care what team you are. I don't care how good you are. Anytime your team signs some other team's bum, you're like, well, maybe he'll turn it around here. Look, maybe he will. He probably won't. As I said, 100 hits and 17 sacks in 44 games. That's, uh, that's absolutely ridiculous. But I guess – you know what? I guess <laughs> – as crazy as it sounds, he's probably an upgrade over Josh Andrews, uh, who I think gave up 100 hits and 17 sacks in the one game he played this year. So, you know, maybe that's the thinking. But, of course, Andrews, at least as of right now, still on the roster. But any thoughts on that move, Alex? Uh, like you said, uh, not, the, not the best player to have. Um, could possibly be a slight improvement to the interior side from what we've seen from players like Josh Andrews. <laughs> completely honest, um, back in the 2017 draft, um, he was a player that I thought the Jets should get for for our interior um, offensive line. So it's kind of interesting how he's kind of come back in a not-so-great manner. But the turnover that we've seen with, you know, we, we we're talking Thursday and Friday, oh, this player's active, this player's active. Looks like we're going to have this guy to go and this guy to go. And then Sunday happens, and next thing you know, in the second quarter, um, you know, Becton's out, Adoga's in, and Lewis is out, and then Andrews is in. And, you know, it's just – it's been a hot mess. Um, we really haven't seen the starting 11 in multiple games um, at all this entire season. So uh, – and I thought the Jets went in a little bit light at the offensive line. Um, this year, when they did their 53, they had a, a slew of linebackers. Um, it didn't really seem like they had a lot going on at the offensive line depth position. And I recall one game where our tackles just kept getting beat up, and Josh Andrews had to play a couple snaps at right tackle um, at one point. I mean, this guy's been yeah, it's terrifying over the offensive line. Um, so that really kind of exposes um, – you know, how poor the depth chart has been as far as the offensive line position. Yes, we, we love Makai Beckton and, and his highlights in the Baldy breakdown. Um, I think McConnor Govern is still a good player. Um, I just think that the guys to the left and right of him are not as talented, and that's affecting his play as well. Um, but, yeah, at this point, um, nothing's set in stone. And, you know, if we're – 
going to, you know, guess at this. Somebody's probably going to get nicked up at some point in this year. So Pat Eflin might end up being a guy that gets a, you know, plug and play at some point. And uh, what do we got? We've got uh, nine games in the book, on the books, and we got seven more to go. Yep. So it's a long road. We got a couple months, two more months left of football. Just got to try to get through this thing. And um, who knows? You know, we, we know right now that we can improve um, our interior guard positions. You know, Greg Van Ruin has played much better um, over the last couple weeks. He started off, you know, um, not looking so great, but he's come on as of late, which is good. Um, and who knows, maybe this is a scenario where things weren't working out for him in Minnesota and he comes over here, you know, plays well enough, kind of like at what Alex Lewis did last year and, and ends up being somebody that's on the roster next year too. Um, who knows what the, what the scenario could bring with this. Um, he could just simply be a body that the Jets are kicking the tires on and just want to see, um, you know, things might work out better here in New York than it did for him in Minnesota. Which reminds me, Alex, uh, speaking of things working out better, we want to take a second here to thank our sponsor, Miles Social. Uh, if you're having a hard time running your social media platforms for your business and you want things to work out better, then visit Miles Social at milesocial.com for help running all of your company's social media platforms. Pay Miles Social a visit at milesocial.com. Whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, Miles Social has got you covered. Uh, apparently nobody had me covered on my spelling tonight, Alex. I'm reading this off the prompter, and uh, I left out the L in social. So ignore that. It is milesocial, S-O-C-I-A-L dot com. I also left out a T in Twitter. All right, I'm an idiot. So, yeah, check out milesocial, and uh, we're going to cover Alex. Yes, Alex, Just uh, that's the next thing I was going to talk about. It seems the Jets, it looked like the tank took a big hit. Uh, just a couple of hours ago, when Pierre Desir was waived by the Jets, he has been instrumental in being terrible this season. Uh, might be uh, the, the, the tank MVP, really. Uh, so Desir's let go. <laughs> Excuse me. Desir is let go, and you automatically think, oh, God, Bryce Hall is going to take his reps. God help us if Bryce Hall is worse than Pierre Desir. He could only be better. That hurts the tank. Then Brian Poole goes on IR, and we're right back in it. It's one, one cancels <laughs> out the other. You're right back in the ball game. I don't know if it's going to be Javelin, Gidry on the slot, whoever it's going to be. They're not going to be as good as Brian Poole. So the Jets probably upgrade on the boundary and then probably downgrade in the slot. Those two cancel each other out. Alex, what are your thoughts for Pierre this year? And what is your favorite Pierre this year moment? Uh, during his lengthy stay with the New York Jets? Uh, I'd have to say him probably getting benched in, I can't remember, it was early September and not starting week one. the game. It, Alex, it was, it was week one he was benched, Alex. Yep, so he got benched in that game That's how one. That's how long that and took. Then I, and I think it was right after the second half he, he was benched. Um, and then I think week two, he didn't get the start, or maybe it was week three, and then somebody got nicked up, he had to come in, and he ends up getting an interception. It's like, God, do we love this guy or do we hate this guy? And, and at some point, he was leading the NFL in interception early on in, in the season. Yeah. And it's That's like, how you know, in the world? You get one game with you know, a couple of picks. It's week three or four. And, you know, you're atop the NFL leaderboards and interceptions. Uh, very deceiving stat. But, sorry, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, you know, that's how weird the NFL is. We're looking at this guy and we're like, oh, my God, we got to get this guy off the field. He's the biggest liability in our secondary. And then all of a sudden you're like, he's leading the league in interceptions? Like, yeah. only, a, you know, the Jets fans would have to experience something like that where players doing something really good statistically, but yeah. he's actually performing – considerably, you know, less from what we, what we see. And, you know, Dylan and I had talked about his effort play um, on that Jacoby Myers where he kind of caught a, I don't know if it was a smoke screen or just like a five yard little uh, um, hitch or something like that, but there was no effort in there whatsoever. He would, he could have been, you know, um, you know, power walking 
um, for all I was concerned. Um, there was mm-hmm. no effort in that in that play. Um, he wanted nothing to do with tackling the the player. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I think that's basically what uh, sealed the decision on, on him departing with the team. Uh, not a good decision um, by Joe Douglas going. Uh, I don't want to call him cheap, but you know, five million dollars for a number one cornerback. I think he got what you paid for. Um, and if you aren't going to be prioritizing cornerbacks early on in your draft, then you have to spend um, at least an ample amount of money. Um, you know, it, it kills me, Glenn, when I watch the Giants and I see the two corners that I really wanted to scoop up this year in Logan Ryan and um, I think James Bradbury, I believe it was, that came from Carolina. Um, and they're playing, they're playing like career – well, not Logan Ryan, but Bradbury's having a career year, and Logan Ryan's just, you know, just Logan Ryan, um, which is way better than what we have on our roster at this point. Just kind of agitates me that those are the players that I really felt that they, that could have been a decent fit for us, um, and would have um, written some wrongs as far as our secondary is concerned, and and we decided to, um, you know, go go with some bargain deals instead, and and now both of those players. Um, one year, five million dollar deals, not on the not on the team. Um, this might be the last time um, we see Brian Poole as a Jet, um, and I know like a, there's there's a pretty decent a crowd out there that likes Brian Poole. Um, you know, I just can't see the Jets, you know, giving him a big long term deal at this point now that they know that he's injured, and uh, obviously Desir's been been terrible. That's why he's gone. So the youth movement is in full effect, and I guess that'll be pretty intriguing to see what they go with. Um, early on, Lamar Jackson got some action, um, UDFA. Um, you know, he looks like a deer in headlights at some, in uh, certain points, but that's what to be expected from a young rookie. And then you got Bryce Hall, who looked a little timid out there in, in his uh, uh, first few snaps that he had a couple weeks ago. Uh, but I do think the talent is there. I mean, for, for this kid, very much like Bless Austin, he hasn't seen the football field in a very long time. And to come in week nine into this scenario and then just get thrown out there, um, you know, but this is how it, it's going to have to be for the, the rest of the year. We're going to have to get these young kids. They're going to have to, you know, throw them into the deep end, get their feet wet, and, you know, sink or swim. Um, so we'll find out probably pretty soon um, who might stick for the future. Um, maybe Lamar Jackson ends up being a guy. Um, we hope that Bryce Hall ends up becoming the player that he was when he was healthy back in 2018, where he was one of the top-rated cornerbacks in the nation in college. Um, that's what we're kind of looking for. That's what we're hoping for. Um, and, yeah, it'll be interesting to see this Sunday on who gets the nod and, who, you know, how Greg Williams um, handles that situation because we do know if you go out there and we start seeing the back of your jersey or you start getting flags thrown at you, um, you're going to be on the bench very, very quickly. So uh, we'll see what Greg Williams has in store, who gets the, the nod, and who gets, um, you know, the carpet pulled from underneath them if they don't play well. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, Greg Williams is, is going to be in a spot where he's going to have to mix and match a lot of guys. But listen, I'm, you know, I've been saying for I don't know how long now, four, five, six weeks, play the kids, get the kids in the game. Uh, you know, knew the season. I mean, I, I, I felt like the season was over. I've said it a million times at halftime of, of the San Fran game week two. I thought this team is getting their ass kicked up and down the field by a bunch of backups and third stringers. This team is lost. Um, so the, the, the backups, the rookies, the kids should have been in there a, a long time ago. Better late than never. Uh, you know, LaMichael P. Ryan is, is reportedly going to get the majority of the carries now. Again, that should have that started four, five, six weeks ago. But honestly, um, I, from what we've seen early on, we haven't seen a ton. You know, you can't really gauge much on four, five, six, seven carries a game. But to me, he hasn't looked that good. Um, not explosive, not powerful. Uh, you know, he's, he's kind of... He's taking what, what, the, what the offense gets him, but he's not really doing a lot where you're saying, oh, man, if that, if that was another back, he wouldn't have made that play. 
He's not doing anything that jumps out as, oh, I get why they used a draft pick on this guy. He, right now, he looks like a running back, of which there are roughly 100 in the NFL. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just still salty over the fact that they used that pick on a running back. Uh, didn't like it on draft day and don't like it now because he doesn't look, you know, when they made the pick, I didn't like it. Okay. Well, maybe he's special. Maybe they see something in this kid that I don't, and he's going to play like a first rounder. And that's why you use a fourth. That's why you didn't draft a wide receiver or an offensive lineman in that spot. Um, not the case so far. He looks like a running back. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm glad they're going to evaluate him now. That's, that's what needs to be done. And, and to be fair to the kid, maybe he needs to get into a rhythm. Running backs like getting into a rhythm, and it's hard to get into a rhythm with six carries. I mean, some, some guys need 20. A lot of guys need, you know, 15, 20 carries to get a rhythm going. Um, seven carries spread out over four quarters isn't exactly going to get you in a rhythm. So I'm, I'm, I'm still optimistic, but he hasn't really – done a whole lot that's that's impressed so far doesn't look particularly particularly smooth catching the football out of the backfield um doesn't really do anything that jumps out at me thus far hopefully the o-line gets better um speaking of the o-line getting better alex you mentioned greg van roten earlier i think he's been much better of late i think alex lewis has been getting blown up a lot as late as of late somebody mentioned that he's got multiple shoulder injuries i don't remember seeing that anywhere maybe he does but he's not been playing well so maybe Cam Clark gets some reps. Maybe that's where Elfline steps in. You know, anything is possible when the team is 0-9, um, head, <clears throat> heading for what very well could be a winless season. Once you say you're going to play the kids, just get guys in there. Let them get some reps. I mean, quarterback, I say put Darnold on IR. Put Flacco on the bench. I don't want him going in the way. And let, let, let Mike White and James Morgan get some reps. Like, the year is done. There's nothing to be gained yeah. from it. But I understand, you know, um, you can't make it that obvious that you're just throwing in a towel. So they're not doing that. But I think that uh, that wraps things up for us this week, Alex. Did did you have anything you want to add? Did we leave anything out? I think we've touched on everything that I noted uh, prior to the show. Any thoughts, Alex? Yeah, you know, um, as we know, Darnold's not going to be back out there. Um, so Joe's going to be uh, running the show. Uh, what I'd like to see is, uh, you know, keep with, keep with the aggressive style. Um, let's keep, you know, pushing the ball down the field. Um, teams are not respecting our um, offense at all. Um, and, you know, that's something that I think Sam Darnold needs to look at too. Um, you know, when I, when I saw the difference between what Darnold has been doing and what Joe Flacco is doing um, from, you know, just over these last few games – you know, Joe steps up in the pocket and is not afraid to take a shot um, or trust the referees that they're going to protect him if somebody goes a little too aggressive and try to deliver the football on time to his receivers and put the ball down the field where his guys can make a play. Um, I think a lot of those um, pressures that Blacko had dealt with would have been scrambles for Darnold. And who knows if they would have been incompletions, turnovers, um, or, you know, some of the magical sloppiness that we've seen um, where it becomes another, you know, highlight play for, for Darnold. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see um, how this game is called. Um, first uh, couple games that Loggins has had, um, we look pretty good on the scripted plays. Um, Jets have come away, even though they're not touchdowns, they've come away with some field goals. So we're ending drives with points, which is a big difference. Uh, but in the second half, um, you know, you're not really seeing a lot of offensive production. Um, Jets put up 20 in that first uh, half against New England. They only put up seven in the second half. So the Jets need to figure out a way still after all these years to put together four good quarters of football. Um, that should be the focus going into this game. We talked about how the Chargers have a tendency to fall apart in the fourth quarter. So what the Jets really need to do is be aggressive early on, get some points on the board, put the pressure on this young rookie quarterback to make plays and then keep it within, you know, within reach in that fourth quarter. Maybe you get to squeak one out. Maybe the Chargers figure out a way to beat you and the tankathon is still alive. But 
like you said, Glenn, it's really, really hard to sit here as a diehard fan who, for me, you know, I'm 38. I've been locked in since 1990. So spare me um, anyone who's been on around for the less than, than 10 years about, you know, your jet sadness. Um, some of us have been watching this team since they were kids, like, like my father and his friends um, since, yep. you know, the sixties. The so, um, you know, it's hard for me to root for losses. I just want to see good, positive things. Like you said, um, we want to see Piran get going. Let's get the Denzel Mims show on, please. This guy needs at least 10 targets a game. If he comes down with at least half of those catches, we've seen a small sample size of what he can do. I think at this point we need to highlight the younger players on this team that have potential to be foundational pieces for the future. And I think that's what our focus should be on as fans. When we go into these games, yes, we can be poo-poo this, poo-poo that, but we've been doing that for, for nine, ten weeks already. We've been doing that for nine, ten years already. So let's start to alter our perception. Let's put our focus in to some of these younger, um, talented players that have potential to maybe be something that we can look forward to. Um, and that should be the main focus uh, for us, and that should be the main focus for the New York Jets at this point. Um, you know, Jabari Zuniga, get that guy some more snaps. I want to see some more Bryce Huff. I want to see some more Denzel Mims. Let's get the youth movement in full effect. What do we got to lose at this point? Nothing. So it's going to be rough. Everybody hang tight. Let's hang on. Um, and, you know, who knows? Any given Sunday, like you said, Glenn, and, uh, you know, get some comfort food and try to enjoy yourself. <laughs> All right. There you go, folks. I uh, <clears throat> hope I kept the coughing to a minimum. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. What a rough, miserable season. But uh, we're more than halfway there. And hopefully hopefully, uh, <clears throat> Trevor Lawrence is at the end of this rainbow. Or ho- I mean, really, the ideal scenario is that Sam Darnold comes back, Sam Darnold throws four touchdowns a week for the final five weeks of the season, and you feel like the lights come on and you start building around him. Uh, is that realistic? No, it is not. So uh, that'll do it for us this week. Next week we'll have more football to talk about, possibly a Jets win. Um, and, man, I'll tell you, I hope, hope the Jets win. Did the Jags play? I don't know. If the Jags play, I hope the Jags and Jets win, and we can relax and enjoy the win because they'll still be in the driver's seat for the tank. That's it for us this week, folks. We'll catch you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.